I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Wednesday, June 26, 2019. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. Markets across the board today were really, really quiet, really, really flat. There may be an outlier or two. However, for the most part, the S&P was down one-tenth of one percent. The Dow was down 11 points. That's just a rounding error. The NASDAQ composite was up 25 points. That's one-third of 1%, but that was led in part by the semiconductor space. We'll get to more on that later. In large part, today's theme is there really was no theme. The market was basically stuck in the mud for the most part all day long. However, that doesn't mean the market didn't tell us a whole lot of information. Whatever it did tell us, we're going to review it in tonight's video. We'll go over it in detail. We'll put whatever puzzle pieces we need or we find on the table and we'll continue to build the puzzle to get us a clear picture of where we're going. Let's take a look first at the daily chart and say, what's the obvious area that we would likely find support from a daily chart perspective? Well, we know that we're above all the moving averages. We see a convergence of a 50 and a 20 period moving average. In addition to that, There's also an area here where we spent about six trading days just going back and forth, meandering along, just above where those moving averages are. So common sense, forget the details of the numbers just for a moment, but common sense would say under normal garden variety market conditions, the S&P or the SPY would find support somewhere in and around where those moving averages and where the market meandered back and forth. Somewhere in that neighborhood, it's logical, it's common sense that we would find support. Now that only qualifies if we get there rather quickly. How do we define quickly? In a couple of days or less. On the outside, early next week. Anything beyond that, and the market would have consolidated or crept lower, which we don't want. We don't want a creeping market, but if a market came sharply into those moving averages, that would have a different type of reaction than if the market creeped into the moving averages. Those are two totally different markets. If a trader, if an investor was bullish the market, they would want to see the SPY, they would want to see the S&P 500 stay above those moving averages. Start closing daily below those moving averages and the bulls won't be so happy. What do we have on the docket that's right in front of us? All of a sudden the talk turns to the G20 meeting and whether or not President Trump is going to cut a deal with President Xi over in China. We hear this over and over and over again. I'm fully aware that there are plenty of traders out there expecting that if a deal was announced, that the market would have somewhat of a Lollapalooza to the upside. It may. It's possible. Keep in mind that when markets are jittery, and right now we do have jittery markets. Why? We just made a new high. We pulled away from that new high. There's a lot of short interest out there. It's building. As the short interest builds, 
if in fact those traders who are short the market are forced to cover, that ends up becoming panic buying, sending price up higher. We've discussed this many, many times. Nothing changes. It's always the same routine. The only thing we can do is have a temporary, if nothing else, bogey on the upside. And it remains yesterday's high. So if we move the chart over so we can see the exact number, so everybody's on the same page, we're going to use 293.73 as the bogey, meaning if in fact we close daily back above that price, 293.73, that would be bullish for the market and we would unlikely see further downside in the immediate future if that happened, we would be looking north. What else do we have on the docket that's important information? We have the end of June coming up. The end of June is typically important because you have an end of month. It's also the end of the second quarter. And it's also the first half of the year complete. We can't do anything directly or actionable with that information. We file it away. It's information we want to know. We always want to know where we are from a bigger picture perspective. Bigger picture includes time. It also includes where price is on the chart. So we always want to get as much of the big picture as we can. Another thing that seems to be coming important is a big fat round number of 2,900. Now, as we look at the S&P E-mini futures, they're around 2920, 2918 as I make this video. That's a hop, skip, and a jump from 2900. We'll see if 2900 may come into play at the end of the month. The end of the month is Friday. It's the end of the week, the end of the month, the end of the quarter, a big fat round number, half the year under our belt. We'll see if any of that has any meaning whatsoever. Since we're talking about end of month, why don't we put on the table what would be in the event that we've got. Who knows what happens in the next couple of days, but in the event we get a really, really poor couple of days, what's a disaster for the month ending June? What would be considered a really, really ugly monthly close? From where I sit, price would have to close the month Underneath 285, it was actually 284 and a half for things to look a whole lot different than they look right now. Not saying that's going to happen. I'm just saying if by chance we found the market down at those prices on Friday's close, that would be an eye opener. We'll call that somewhat of an extreme from where we are right now, even though we all know that can happen in a morning. 50, 60 S&P handles can happen in a flash. What do we have when we look over at the hourly chart? You see a creeping market. We're creeping under the moving averages, coming into a gap. So this gap comes in at 289.83. All of a sudden, we're beginning to discuss 289 again. How can we forget 289? So here's the thing with the gap. We're creeping into the gap. Maybe they fill it quickly and rally away from that in the morning. For example, Thursday morning. That would be one option. However, a continued creep into the gap isn't ideal to fill a gap and have a reaction in the northern direction away from that gap. We don't want a creeping market. If you're short, you might want a creeping market because a creeping market can actually just break at any point in time. It can obviously go the other way too. 
But when I say we don't want a creeping market, I'm discussing filling the gap and expecting, having the expectations that we're having a long trade away from that gap in the northern direction. So when I say we don't want a creeping market, that's if we're looking to go long at a gap, looking for that reaction up north. The other side of the coin is, even though we have a creeping market, we're coming into an area where the market spent a lot of time, which means it's likely that it will visit that area again and not necessarily just bust through. Let me put it a different way. Let's see if this sounds familiar. The market gapped up, so this was a breakout, right? So we broke out, and the market is doing what? It's coming back to test a former breakout area. Pick a spot, pick a spot to the penny, wherever you want to say the market officially broke out from, and we're coming back to test that same area. Does that mean the market has to stop here? No, it doesn't. It's just the point that we discuss it over and over and over again. And the reason we do is because markets do it. And it's not just the S&P. It's stocks. It's Bitcoin. We'll talk about that later. It's commodities, whether it's crude oil or gold. Markets, or I should say charts, like to come back and test former breakout and former breakdown areas over and over and over again. We've been discussing this for years. Do we see anything different on the 120-minute chart? Not really. It's a compressed version of the hourly chart that we just looked at. Same general area around 289, give or take, that the market is coming back to pay a visit to. So if that's the case... Would we call this normal garden variety market behavior? Yeah, I would. One more look. This is the 240-minute chart. And this one, I will mention that traders who have taken the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader will identify something that's happening on this chart. This is a 240-minute chart, so it takes some time, but it's doing what we outlined in the course. We can find a minimum of two and possibly even up to four reasons why the market is actually poised to find a low based on what this chart is showing us. Not a low from current price, a low lower than we are now, but we can see where it's going on the chart under normal garden variety market conditions. You have the potential for price to meet up with time, which may provide some fireworks. We're certainly going to see. It's of note. It's certainly worth being a puzzle piece. It's on the table. Remember, there's always a bull case. There's always a bear case. There are two cases. So here, the market is basically just going higher. We went up, we consolidated for a while, we went up again. Now we're consolidating again. There's nothing that says we can't go higher again. There are no rules that say that doesn't exist. So when we look at the market, we realize from a daily chart perspective, we're above all the moving averages. The market is bullish. There's technically nothing wrong. We just made a new high. We're pulling back away from that new high. There's a gap. We're creeping into the gap. But just because I don't like a creeping market doesn't mean the market can't find stability in and around that gap or even slightly lower 
turn around and go back the other way. There's always two sides to the market. There's a buyer and a seller for every trade. What's the bear case? Well, the bear case is that the market continues to come down, obviously, and from where we are or nowhere near where we are, we never put in a sign or a signal of a trend change. That's how you would gauge whether the market was trying to find a low or not. These are all the things that are taught in the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader. A low like that may or may not show up on all the charts. The more charts it shows up on, the more confirmation you have of what's actually going on. Let's go over to Camp IWM. What do we have over here? Well, here's what we have. We have a market that had relative weakness today. This was pointed out to inside the numbers members during the trading day. When the IWM is weak, you have to be on guard even if the market tries to rally. Even if the S&P tries to rally, if the IWM is weak, it likely will have trouble. More often than not, it will have trouble sustaining a rally. Here we are again, all of a sudden, back below all the moving averages. We spent plenty of time discussing whether or not the IWM was going to be able to push through on the north side those moving averages. We spent days and days and days discussing it. The market consolidated underneath those moving averages. We busted through, reversed, now we're back below all of them in a flash. That's not necessarily a positive market. We have to take it for what it is. We closed below the 20 today. Another close below the 20 period moving average tomorrow is further confirmation that we have another lower high that we've been discussing forever. High, lower high, that's negative. That likely means... It will turn out to be a leading indicator of the market and you'll find that the SPY or the S&P 500, the Qs, the NASDAQ, the Dow, everybody and their brother will play catch up and follow suit. How about a 240 minute chart? Real quick, what's the other side of that one? What's the bull case here? Well, it's really the same story. It's a possible ABC B, C is a completion above the high of the A leg. We have the A leg up, B leg down, potential C leg up. That is a possibility. That is the bull case. When you look at the 240-minute chart and you've taken the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader, you'll notice that time is becoming a match with price. When that happens, we have to be on guard for a sign and a signal of a trend change. If we begin to see that, we have to take notice. Remember, we just have to keep all the different things that are floating around out there in the back of our mind. End of month, end of quarter. Jittery market. G20 meeting. A forever pending deal with China. Then you always have the bad actors. You have North Korea. You have Iran. And you throw all that into a bucket, stir it around, and you have a day like today where the market barely moved, just crept lower. The market's waiting on a piece of information. What it does with that information is either going to spark a rally to the upside or a trapdoor to open to the downside. Whether that piece of information comes from the Fed in the form of interest rates, from the G20 in the form of a deal with China, or no deal with China. Maybe it comes out of left field. Maybe it comes out of the bullpen. We can only control what we can control. And in this case, we can only control our actions. When the market tells us it's an opportune time, it's one of those, you'll know it when you see it. Right now, 
Still short against the highs. However, me personally, I will have to book some profits if the market gets down to 1900 on the S&P 500 in the next couple of days. I'll have no choice. It's the proper thing to do. It's how we run the business. We have to book profit along the way. What's doing down at the transportation department? The IWM was down. The transports are up. How do we explain that? FedEx. FedEx has a large weighting within the transport index. So today was somewhat of an outlier. FedEx reported earnings last night. FedEx was up four bucks today. It helped to pull the transportation average up along with it. Fair enough. Did anything change? Other than the fact that it doesn't look identical to the IWM, nothing really changed from yesterday. Yesterday, we closed below the 20-period moving average. Today, we closed back above. But the fact that now we're meandering back and forth, the more time we spend doing that, the more it diminishes the importance of that moving average. But nevertheless, closing back above it is certainly more bullish than closing back below it. Not that the market looks bullish, but it is what it is. We have one hanging moving average left over. The 20 moving average, once it gives way, it's all she wrote for the transports. Closing back below yesterday's low is likely all she wrote. Can we have the same discussion that we had with the IWM? Could it be an ABC pattern that essentially brings the transports higher, completing above the high of the A leg? Yeah, it's possible, but you're going to have to have one Lollapalooza of a rally across all markets. We would need another melt-up. How about the VIX? Any change from yesterday in the VIX? Not really. We closed pretty much where we did the prior day. What did the VIX do here? The VIX did the same thing that every chart and every market always does. It came back to test a former breakout or former breakdown area. Where is that? Right here. Whether you want to call it there or here or wherever, the market came down, made a bear flag pattern, and then broke down. Once the market came back up, it somewhat found some overhead resistance. So what did it do? It came back to test a former breakdown area. Doesn't mean it has to stop. But what is most important is that we continue to point this out so that you train your eye to identify where these prices exist. How about taking a trip out to Silicon Valley, looking at the queues, any change in the queues? They were up a little bit today, but now we're inside. This was an inside day to yesterday's big down day. So until and unless the queues, just like the S&P 500, can close above yesterday's high, no dice. Until and unless they can close above yesterday's high, it's bearish and pressure will be to the downside, likely lower prices in the near term. Same story as the S&P 500. There's a gap here. Now we came close to the gap yesterday and we had a gap higher today. And here's where we got stuck in the middle of yesterday's range. So that being said, if in fact the market was coming lower to fill or go lower than that gap, would that gap be a high probability trade for a rally away from that gap? Or would it be a lower probability because we came close yesterday? Not that close, but it looks close on the daily chart. It's close enough to where the trade would be suspect. We would have to use 
different or shorter time frame charts to validate a trade we couldn't use the daily chart in my estimation just from a visual perspective we came too close yesterday and rallied away from it today i wouldn't want that trade based off the daily chart now different story what if we came into that gap yesterday yeah that's the trade you're looking for it's not going to work 100 percent of the time but coming to that gap from afar and fast that's the kind of trade you want to most traders it looks like the market is collapsing and there is no floor but when you look at it a different way you have a different perspective the market was headed to a destination if in fact it got to the gap yesterday it most likely would have been the destination and would have likely had a reactionary rally bounce higher away in the northern direction from that gap and that's why we look at it differently the market's always headed somewhere if in fact it's headed for a gap what's the likelihood it's headed right through that gap after going down all day long it's not necessarily likely it's the minority not the majority of times that it would just whistle past that gap on a day like yesterday so it's all a matter of how we look at it not the same trade a day later not to me anyway how about bitcoin where's this thing going this was some move in bitcoin i have two numbers and i really don't have anything beyond these two numbers anything that i can put my hands on or better said put my calculator on the two numbers are this 14,000 and 15,000 and they're basically weekly numbers so for example if we close Friday if we close this week above 14,000 I would say you're going to see 15 pretty quickly the likely story is 14,000 is probably overhead resistance we got pretty close today this thing is probably close to being done for the time being on the upside the problem with Bitcoin it's not a problem it's good for the owners of Bitcoin there are no sellers out there nobody is selling bitcoin there are plenty of buyers it becomes a frenzy it's not even the second or third time whatever time it is we're in the frenzy phase right now there's really no way to know exactly how high they can push this thing this time around but best i can tell best thing the calculator was able to spit out was 14 or 15,000 we got almost to 14,000 today that looks to me like overhead resistance a lot of it's going to depend on the weekly close if you are an owner of bitcoin and bought it a lot less i can't tell you if i buy into the story that this thing will ever be a hundred thousand or not i have no idea but if you bought it a lot lower after a run like this i would be pocketing some profit you have to run it like a business treat it like a business back in our lane looking at the xlf what do we have so the xlf was down about a third of a percent nine cents doesn't look like a whole lot but we know we're on the precipice of an important number in the xlf we tested it yesterday and the important number is 26.93 any daily close below 26.93 that could be trouble for the market if the xlf decides to sell the other markets will likely follow suit without participation from the financials markets are unlikely to get very far in either direction the upside or the downside looking at a shorter term chart this one happens to be 15 minute chart you can see what happened at the end of the day there was some selling at the end of the day a little bit of a volume pickup four and a half million shares against 
the average of about 1.3. So the last candle of the day happens to be down on volume. It's of note. It's a puzzle piece. It's on the table. About crude oil, we've been discussing 59. They got two and even above 59. Inside the numbers, members had other numbers, obviously. We went to one of them and then backed off. Now, I fully understand the news cycle today with the refinery. There was a fire. I get all that stuff. But here's what I want to do. Match up the news with where the market is and say, did the market get sucked up into the moving averages and also the high of a breakdown candle by sheer coincidence or irony or however you want to look at it? The market crude oil has been on a one-way ticket from 54. Look where the market was rejected today. Here's the high of the breakdown candle, 59.80. What was the high today? Right into these moving averages, 59.93, and came all the way back down, and then a little bit of a rally at the end of the day. Here's an hourly chart, just looking at it from a different perspective. We gap higher. This is a pit session only chart. We gap higher, we come close to $60, we come up a few pennies short, and we basically just pull away and consolidate all day. Now, what this is also telling you is, even though we didn't get to 60, 60 isn't really the target. Why? How do I know that? Because we really didn't get rejected from missing 60. So there's likely a higher destination. I have no choice but to look at it that way until and unless we come back down below today and close below today's opening range low. That number is 58.86. Until and unless that happens, the market is still bullish, it's still in an uptrend, and there's nothing that says it can't go higher. And that's about it for me today. I'm going to pull the ripcord. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. And please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.